This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You, 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 you are now locked in to the Clock Dodgers podcast. You are the three-eyed raven, no? I didn't have time to learn. I can't control anything. You must learn to control it before the night king comes. Drink. One way or another, he will find his way to the world of men. And when he does, you will be there waiting for him. And you will be ready. All right, Clock Dodgers, Game of Thrones, Episode 6, Blood of My Blood Recap. I, of course, am Neil, the host, and I am joined with my co-host here, Tony, a.k.a. Mr. Me Seeks, a.k.a. Mr. I am disappointed that Marjorie did not take her atonement walk. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man, aside from that little factoid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it was a little disappointing. I think we were all disappointed. Yeah, I think we we were all waiting for that, and uh, the high sparrow let us down, but that's okay. You know, they're never short of that kind of stuff on the show, so I'm sure they'll make up for it somewhere. Grab your ass, old man. (laughs) Oh, man. So... Um, this episode, you know, uh, well, I've been looking around the internet, you know, looking around the forums, looking around chats, talking with people, and, you know, it's kind of, I guess this episode has kind of got mixed emotions. Um, some people say this was the slowest episode of the season, which may be factually correct. Um, I, I feel like it was kind of like a launch point, though, um, for the, you know, for the remainder of the episodes for the season. I feel like it wasn't slow necessarily, but just wasn't as much action as you've had you know uh for the first half of the season which obviously to to, to many would say was the best season so far so it's hard to keep that up probably but i still don't think it was a bad episode i just think that it was you know a setup episode for for the rest of the season um do do you feel like it was a little slow or that it was a little lackluster or anything or yeah i mean um it kind of shows you how much we've been spoiled this season, you know, because every episode has had like that big moment that you're like, holy shit at the end of it. And then this, if this episode was in any other, other season, I think we'd be cool with it. But because this season has had so many gigantic moments and has been moving everything so long, uh, so far along at such a brisk pace, it kind of, it did come as like a letdown. But I still enjoyed the episode. Like, it's still, I mean, it moved fast for me. I don't know about people saying it was slow. I didn't think it was slow. I was still, like I always do, about 40 minutes into it, checking to see how much time I have going, shit, there's not yeah. enough time left. You know yeah. what I mean? So, so but, you're saying we're just being a bunch of brats, basically? Yeah, we're just spoiled. <laughs> I think this season has spoiled us quite a bit. No, I, I hear you, man. Like I said, I, I enjoyed the episode, and I think everyone enjoyed it. I just think everyone, um, you know, keeps expecting 
you know something big every single episode and i feel like sometimes you got to kind of um you know make that make that setup again for some more big things um the, exactly. the, the way the episode started of course uh was with uh bran uh basically kind of um you know where we left off last episode i guess um you know with them with her with uh mira pulling you know bran on the little sled thing through the snow um trying to escape you know, from the uh, the White Walkers, um, who had basically you know busted through the door that Hodor could no longer hold, um, and you know they they get saved um, by somebody because if they didn't get saved by anybody, they would have basically died because there was no other uh, no other out at, the, at that point, um, and it happened to be you know his uncle Benjen who you know, appeared to be half of a, a night walker, I, I suppose. Um, you know, he mentioned that he was saved um, by the children of the forest. And, uh, you know, so I guess some people expected this to happen, obviously, um, p- partially because we all expected somebody to, that has to save them at that at that moment. And so people kind of put, you know, two and two together. And then uh, with stuff from the books and everything, they kind of, you know, pieced it together. What did, What did you think about, you know, the whole... Benjamin saving them and telling them, you know, you're the new three-eyed raven. We're gonna get you ready for this. Um, I mean, I mean, personally, I liked it. Um, you know, it, I like I dug all the flashbacks and everything that he was kind of still seeing while he was, you know, oh, laying yeah, there. Yeah, like Matrix style. Yeah, um, he, was getting, he was getting uploaded. Exactly. Um, the only thing I wasn't a fan of, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let Uncle Benjamin, you know, make me a drink because I'm not really a fan of rabbit blood. But um, other than that, you know, it seemed, it seemed like a, that Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I mean, other than that, it wasn't that long the scene, but obviously it was kind of a big reveal uh, for people. You know, I, I didn't read the books, but I know a lot of people say there's a character in the book um, named Cold Hands, and I guess that's who he is yep. in the show. But I don't think the book exactly played it that way. Yeah, the books, um, it's just Cold Hands. Cold Hands actually meets up with them, I believe, before they meet the Three-Eyed Raven, not after, because in the books, he's still with the Three-Eyed Raven. But um, Graham has actually come out and said, like, Cold Hands is not Benjamin. So it's just another thing, like, is Graham lying to us, or did the showrunners kind of consolidate two separate characters in order to make them, because maybe, like, even if Benjamin isn't him in the books, it's somebody we recognize as opposed to just some kind of new character being thrown at us. You know what I mean? So it's easier for like your casual viewer to just process, oh, it's his Uncle Benjamin. We have met this guy, even though it was you know five years ago. Oh, we've met this guy. We've interacted with this guy. This kind of makes sense as opposed to having to introduce a whole new character once again when we have so many people to kind of keep track of as it is. Right. And, and and like I said, it wasn't a really long scene. You know, it just kind of was a, I guess, a quick, you know, end into, you know, where they left us off last week. But in, in the flashbacks, which I guess I found the most interesting part of it, um, you know, we finally oh, got to see point. the Mad King. You know, we seen little piece. Obviously, we didn't see anything in depth, but it was really short. But it was little clips mm-hmm. of, you know, the Mad King and, and, and stuff like that. Um, do you think that was the, the biggest part of the flashbacks was, was seeing him or... Yeah, I think seeing the Mad King, I think um, there was also, there was wildfire kind of in the catacombs of mm-hmm. underneath King's Landing. I'm wondering if that's kind of something that's already happened or if that's something that's supposed to come because as far as I know, in kind of like the canonical history of uh, Song of Ice and Fire, wildfire never got set 
that's what the Mad King wanted to do. He wanted to burn the entire city down with wildfire. Right. But it never happened. So I'm wondering if that's him looking into the future, looking into the past. There was also, um, I, I believe there was like a shot that looked like maybe a dragon flying over King's Landing. So is that kind of, is that in the future? Is that in the past? And I think, from what I could tell, it was just kind of like a, a data dump on Bran. Like, this is all the stuff that Three-Eyed Raven wanted to teach him with more time. But because he didn't have the time, he just kind of uploaded it into his consciousness. And this is all stuff that Bran kind of has, is going to have to sift through. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he has a full grasp of everything yet. Like, I, I don't think he knows everything. I think it's just in his brain, and he's going to have to kind of sift through it. Because if he did know everything, then he wouldn't have been shocked when, you know, Uncle Benjamin showed his face. You know right. what I mean? He would have already known that Uncle Benjamin was uh, working with the Three-Eyed Raven and things like that, you know? Yeah. But I, I like the I like the addition of Uncle Benjamin. Um, feedback kind of what you asked earlier. Um, I think it's necessary for him to have kind of like a... And an Obi Wan character, you know, they're kind of doing it in like reverse Star Wars order. You know, yeah. Star Wars, you had Obi Wan, then Yoda. This time, you had Yoda, then Obi Wan. But it's kind of somebody that can help guide him. He seems to have a pretty good grasp on the uh, Three Eyed Raven thing. Seemed like he had a lot of interaction with him. So it's just somebody that can help guide Bran into what he needs to become, which he needs, because I don't think him and Mir could do it by themselves. Right, and I, and and I assume we'll continue to see those data dumps probably um, as, as yeah, we as we yeah, go I'm through here. Do do you think in, in this season um, we're gonna actually see a, a battle with the White Walkers, or is that kind of be you think that's where we're gonna end at, like the kind of the cliffhanger to start us for next season? I don't think we're gonna see it this season. Um, I don't think that they're gonna breach through the wall. I think um, I think what you're gonna see this. This, at the end of this season will probably be Jon Snow versus uh, Ramsey. That'll probably be in the penultimate episode. I could see maybe like it ending on like the, the White Walkers maybe scaling the wall or something like that, and then that's where we're going to jump off next season. But I think that's going to be the big thing in next season will be the White Walkers actually moving down, and then the final season will be everybody kind of consolidating their forces to deal with the White Walker threat. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I think that I think I agree with you. That's what they'll kind of you know leave us so that we have you know this big you know cliffhanger for for next season. Um, so so you know like I said there, there wasn't too much going on briefly there. They didn't really uh, pan back to them at all. So that kind of sums up you know the, the the brief time that we had with them and the reveal of Uncle Benjamin and everything. Um, Let's jump over to um, Sam, Gilly, little Sam. Um, you know, he obviously, he, he takes them to uh, Horn Hill, where his, his family lives. And his, his plan is to, you know, to leave them there and kind of, you know, let them be safe there. And then he goes on to do his thing. Um, we, we get a very uncomfortable uh, dinner scene here, uh, which basically plays out with his dad being a an asshole to be you know without any better word I guess an asshole is what he was. Yeah, his dad um, was a yeah. Dick. <laughs> Coming <laughs> he, from like a little, I was a little fat kid. You know what I mean? Like my dad didn't care if I ate bread. What the <laughs> hell was that? Oh man, <laughs> yeah, and it was uh you know obviously his dad uh is not a fan of him eating carbs because he was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, do you really need the bread? He obviously wants him to go on a no-carb diet. Um, yep. But Yeah, I mean, you know, between the, between the you know, the carb-hating and then calling his wife a whore, I mean, it was pretty rough. So, 
you know, I, I, I like that Sam was like, let's get the hell, <laughs> let's get the hell out of here together. You know what I mean? Let's keep moving. Um, he grabs, you know, the, the sword, which is obviously a, a Valerian steel sword. So um, we already know, you know, what that does and how special that is um, in this story moving forward. Um, again, I mean, I don't know how much we could talk about this because it was just, you know, it, it was pretty much just a dinner, you know, table scene. But um, wh- how important do you think it was um, for him to take that sword and leave? How, how, how important do you think that plays into future episodes? I think that's one of the keys um, kind of going forward is that he has another Valerian steel because you need as much, we need as much Valerian steel as we can get. You know what I mean? Right. That obviously, one, doesn't believe the White Walkers exist. Two, he hates wildlings and that's one of the biggest forces that they have against the White Walkers right now. So his dad probably wasn't going to be a lot of help. You know what I mean? Um, I, I really liked this whole scene. I liked getting the glimpse into why Sam kind of is the way he is. And you also could tell, like, I think some people might have taken it as, like, Sam kind of bitching out to his dad at the at the dinner, you know, when they're eating, that he didn't say anything. Oh, but yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I don't, think, I don't think Sam's that guy anymore. I think that's season one Sam. I think he kind of reverted that back to that just because he knew he had an end game that Gilly needs to stay here. This is the best thing for her. I need to keep my mouth shut and play this cool. But then Gilly, of course, opened her mouth and told him how brave Sam is, you know what I mean, and that he killed a Finn and that he killed a White Walker and that she witnessed it with her own eyes and kind of ruined that. And then I think once he realized after talking to her that she's not going to have a better life here than she would in Old Town. She's just going to be a kitchen maid. The they're probably going to take her son from her and raise him on their own. So he was like, fuck this. Like, she's not going to live like that. Little Sam's not going to live like that. We need to get the hell out of here. And I think it showed a lot of bravery on his part. And I think just uh, taking the sword, I don't know that he's thinking of the long game. I think it just was a fuck you to his dad. Like, <laughs> like you want to be a dick to me, I'm going to take your most prized possession. I mean, well, I, I, and I all of us men can, uh, all of us men can relate on. to that, right? I mean, that moment. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. You gotta have that moment where you step up to daddy. <laughs> exactly. Now, the, the, um, the one thing, I guess, I'm not very clear, um, I don't know, as far as, you know, Horn Hill and his dad and all that stuff, I don't, I don't know much about the backstory of this, like, I don't know if it's more in-depth in the books or anything, but, like, is, is his dad, like, a, a warrior, you know, is there, like, is there, like, knights there and stuff, or is this just, like, a family, like, a town? Well, you look, um, at how luscious it was and how nice it was, that's the reach, that's where they're at. The reach is the, um, the land, uh, run by the Tyrells. Like Marjorie's family. Oh, okay. That's where they come from. Okay. The Reach is basically like the breadbasket of Westeros. It's where all the grain comes from. It's where a lot of the fruit vegetables come from. It's it's the food supplier, and that's why the Tyrells have so much power is because they control the food. You know, the Lannisters have so much money because they control the gold. Well, the Tyrells control the food, and which when it comes down to it, what's more important? Fruit. Right, right. And if they cut off their supply to King's Landing, then King's Landing starves to death. So Tyrells are a very important family, and the Tarleys, who run Hornhill, are one of the biggest houses in the beach. Okay. So they're they're a very powerful family. They're not as powerful as like the Lannisters or uh, the Tyrells because they they obviously swore fealty to the Tyrells. 
but they are a very powerful family, very rich family. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I wasn't too sure about the whole, you know, the whole background. I mean, I, obviously he looked like a, you know, a strong, stern dude, and he had the sword and stuff there. So I figured, you know, he had some, he had some power. But um, do, do you do you imagine that they're they're going to go after him at all to try to get him and get the sword and stuff, or it's just kind of like? Oh hell yeah, yeah definitely. Like his dad's not going to take this lying down. They they're going to have people on their tail. And that's why I'm actually wondering if Sam's going to go to Old Town. Like, because that's, his dad knows he's going there. Right. You know what I mean? So now that he's got this sword and he's got Gilly and he's got Sam, what's he going to do? Is he just going to go to Old Town and have Gilly and Sam live like he didn't want him to live and then wait for his dad to show up and, I mean, fight his dad? Like, I mean, Sam might have killed a, might have killed a Finn and might have killed a White Walker, but those were kind of, just reactionary things. Like he's not a warrior. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. And his dad can stand toe to toe with and his and his little brother, the guy that he was talking about hunting, uh, going hunting and stuff, like those are they're, they're both warriors. So I mean even if just those two come after Sam, they could probably take him. So I'm I'm wondering what's next for Sam, if he's gonna go like he was supposed to and go to Old Town or if he's gonna kinda go on his own path. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, like like you said, where that story goes. Um, you know, being that, obviously, they're going to go after him. Obviously, they want the sword. It's a prized possession. So we haven't seen the end of his dad, it's safe to say. <laughs> um, but, you know, yeah. Sam's going to need all the carbs he can, uh, you know, to keep keep up the pace yeah. of running. So, well, that's what, like, uh, like I said, I, I like that it was – I like seeing that because when you see Sam in season one, Sam – had to take the black because like you said in this episode he had to sway off of his inheritance and take the black or his dad was going to kill him yeah so it was really interesting to see his family to see his mother you know you could tell his sam was very much like a an overly nurtured child by his mother just by the relationship he has with his mother and his sister like the women all love him and the men kind of despise him and it seems like his little brother became the the guy the man his dad wanted sam to be so that's why he made Sam swear off his land because he wanted his little brother to take the the land, not not Sam. I like I, I like so how really I like, interesting kind of getting into a picture to, into the character. You know what I mean? Yeah, I liked how his mom didn't back down too. You know, he was like, "You dishonor our family," oh, yeah, and she was yeah, like, "No, definitely. you dishonor our family." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, she's got kind of a weird relationship there where, like, uh, she can't make him be nice, but she still has some sway. And that's a nice thing to see in this world because you don't really see that a lot in Game of Thrones where yeah. women actually kind of have have a power over their more dominant husbands, you know? Yeah, it was cool to see, like, an actual, like, family relationship, you know, argument type of thing yeah. instead of, oh, king, queen, prince, you know, like that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. It was just cool to see a, a regular family have at it at the dinner table. <laughs> So, so, so switching, you know, straight to a, a, an opposite type of family, which is uh, the Lannisters and, and and the Tyrells and everything. Um, obviously, we got a, a big twist here. Um, you know, go, leading into this episode, uh, we were under the impression that you know, uh, you know, Jamie and the Tyrells and everybody were going to go in there and and you know get Marjorie as she's preparing to take her Walk of Atonement and make sure that it doesn't happen. And basically get the queen, get her out of there, and, you know, kind of deal with the High Sparrow, you know, kind of knock all that uh, religious crap to the ground and let them know they don't have to deal with that stuff. And when we get there, um, we get a totally different scene. So, um, well, before we get there even, 
you know, Marjorie talks to Toman and basically tells him, you know, that she agrees with the High Sparrow and that, you know, he is like enlightened and that she feels something about him. Um, I, I couldn't tell if this was an, an act of hers, if it was for real. Um, and, and the reason that really threw me off was because when she seen the army, she kind of made this look. And I don't know if it was a look like I made a mistake or if it was a look like I didn't need to do all this because here they are now. Or if, again, if she really is believing, you know, it's a, I don't know if she's basically been a born again Christian type of thing or if she's just playing the role to get out of this situation. Um, if, you, if you had a guess, do, do you think she's serious that she really is feeling the words of, of the High Sparrow or do you think she's just doing this to kind of get out of the situation? I don't um, I don't think she's found God. You know, like I don't, so you don't think I she's don't been think saved? Is the no, no, not <laughs> at all. Um, I think Marjorie kind of saw the playing field and saw the High Sparrow has more power. We need to consolidate our powers for him rather than fight him. You know what I mean? Like he's he's already kind of winning against uh, my grandmother and Jamie and Cersei. And do I want to kind of ally myself even more with Cersei and give her more power? You know, they've always had this kind of rivalry. But Marjorie's always been very a very malleable character, you know, she kind of just, she moves with whatever she needs to do to get ahead. You could see that when she was married to, uh, uh, why am I blanking on his name? The, the younger, bro- the younger Baratheon. Yeah. I, I, I know, I know um, you're talking about, um, oh, when, when she was married to him, she was like, Oh, you know, whatever you need to do to give me an heir, you need to have my brother warm you up. Fine. You know what I mean? She was totally okay with it. Right. And then, you see her when she's married to Joffrey. She's like, oh, I've kind of always been interested in torture. You know, like, tell me more about that. Joffrey mm-hmm. just kind of playing to him. And then when she got to Tommen, she was like, well, this shit's going to be easy. He's 14. I'm hot as hell. <laughs> <laughs> All I need to do is be hot. And he's going to listen to whatever the hell I say. But she's, she's very much, she can go with the wind and go with the changing times. Whereas so she's a lot more stubborn character. I am who I am. And everybody bow before me. Marjorie seems to be more all right, what's my best situation? What's my best play here? She seems to be a lot more calculated, and I think this was part of it, you know? Yeah. So we, I don't think that she has had a come-to-Jesus moment. I think that she just kind of took a picture of the landscape. And I think um, Kevin had something to do with it, too. Because if you look when he's in the the hall, when he takes the, the Jamie out of the Kingsguard, you see him kind of glancing towards Kevin. Yeah, what, what, yeah, what do you think Kevin about what do you think about Toman himself though? Do you think he is believing in the High Sparrow stuff? Um, yeah, possibly. I think um, I think he's being manipulated by a lot of different forces. I think he has a lot of people that are more intelligent than him, telling him what to do. But if you remember back when um, uh, Tywin was talking to Tommen when he first became king, when Tywin asked him, like you know what makes a good king, the first thing out of Tom's mouth was um, holy, to be a holy king. So uh, he might have some kind of predisposition to already believe in his faith. You know, maybe when they were all in church and, you know, Joffrey was off torturing a cat, maybe he was actually listening. You know? right, <laughs> so maybe right, he already right. kind of is kind of a faithful kid and then this is kind of playing into himself. But I do, get, I do think it's more that he's just a puppet and he has higher, more intelligent people telling him and I think kind of it was a numbers game you know like oh mom's against this but Uncle Kevin's against this 
the high sparrows making uh, Uncle Kevin's for this. The high sparrows making really good arguments, and my hot ass wife is for this. And I want her to be happy, right? So I'm just gonna go this route, you know. I mean, think back when you were 14. Come on now, if Marjorie told you to do something, you do it. You like, do it, man. You do it. She she batted at you with them big them big old eyes. You would just melt into nothingness and be like, okay, I'll do whatever you want. And I think that's what Tom is doing. Yeah. Like, okay, Marjorie, whatever. You're gonna get naked. Like that's all he cares about. Yeah, he se- I mean, he seems to be doing a better job than Joffrey. I would say he's a little more logical, a little more oh, level-headed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, the the one thing, and I don't know if everybody's happy about this. I, for one, am happy that Jamie is getting the hell out of there. Um, obviously, we see previews for next week. We see that he sees the blackfish. He's obviously going there. He's supposed to fight the blackfish. Um, you know, I'm happy he's getting out of there. I think he's better off out of there. I think it helps, you know, his character uh, evolve more. And there's more things that he could do outside of there rather than fight, you know, the stupid battles that are the you know, political games and stuff that are going on um, at King's Landing. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how, how that all unfolds because obviously it looks like we're going to see a lot of him next episode as well. Um, if their previews, you know, are, are anything to believe. Um, do you think... Um, do you think he's going to come across like Brienne and stuff like that when he's out there? Yeah, that's one of the things that I'm wondering is um, now him and Brienne are on opposite sides and they kind of had a kinship, you know right. what I mean? So I think that might kind of pull Jamie in a different directions. I think Jamie's getting pulled in different directions and he doesn't want to do this anyway. He doesn't want to go to the Riverlands. So I don't know how much his heart is actually going to be in it. So maybe he can kind of be swayed one way or the other. I'm just happy to get him the fuck away from Cersei. Like, yeah, that, I mean, it, that, it, the whole relationship gets on my nerves. Yeah. And it makes me like Jamie less, and they've done so much work over the past, you know, three seasons to get me to like Jamie that whenever he's around Cersei, he automatically reverts back to season one. I can't fucking stand you, Jamie. Yeah. So I'm glad that he's getting away from Cersei. I'm glad he's getting away from that situation. I think, um, Cersei's saying it's going to be a trial by combat, and I have the mountain. That sounded like uh, famous last words to me. Yeah. You know, like, when people say, oh, how much worse could it get? It always gets worse. Yeah. <laughs> so I think her being so cocky, I think she might be taken off of the pedestal a little bit later on this, steep, this season, and maybe Jamie will wish he was there. Maybe he'll feel some guilt. You know what I mean? But... Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that he's going away. I'm, I'm really curious to see that interaction with him and uh, him and the Blackfish. Yeah, I mean, in, in the previews, it didn't even look like there was a lot of tension between him and the Blackfish. I mean, it looked kind of, like, calm. Like, I don't know, you know, what that was about. And then, and like you said, with the mountain, um, I, for some reason, I expect him to lose in, in, the, in the fight. Um, you know, in, in the first fight that he did, you know, for them, we actually seen him lose until, you know, he crushed the dude's head and stuff. But, um I, I, I picture him losing again. Do we have any idea who he's possibly going to fight, though? Uh, I don't want to jump into spoiler territory. Yeah, if it's if it's uh, a super spoiler, I don't want to go into it. But um, um, yeah, there's I, I have a really good idea of who. Um, it's a character from the past that we've seen before, had a really good following, but we haven't seen in a while. And that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I think, I, I think I'm with you uh, on some that Some of the guys that are listening that have read the books, I think they'll be 
into it too, but I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Yeah, else, so. <laughs> yeah, I think we're on the same wavelength, and we'll we'll keep that to ourselves. That way, we don't ruin any surprises. Um, the one other thing, I mean, the high sparrow. This guy's stock keeps going up. I mean, are we supposed to sell high at this point? I mean, does it does does it go does it keep <laughs> going up for him here, or or are we gonna you know, or is the stock market gonna crash on this guy soon? I think I think his his stock is the highest going to be sell sell sell. This is a sell high. I think, <laughs> like yeah, like I said, I think Marjorie is playing more side to this than uh, than anybody else thinks she is. And you see a lot in this show that when people think, oh well, we got this one, no, you don't. You know yeah. they always they're always screwed. Yep. And the look on his face when he had the king next to him, it was like I won. I did this, I won, and, you know, fight always comes before the fall, you know? Yeah, so he had that shitty grin think, on his face. Yeah, exactly. So I do think that he's going to get his, his comeuppance pretty soon, you know what I mean? I could see, hell, I could see the Toshi just going nuts and unleashing the mountain on them all, you know what I mean? Yeah. And popping his head like a grape like he did over <laughs> you know, like I could see any of that happening but yeah i do think i don't think he's coming out of this season alive if i had to guess i agree man now let's move over to um another story another character that um was kind of moving slow for some people some people um didn't feel the connection to the rest of the story and so now it seems like a girl has a name again um you know with with yep. uh, with her with um aria you know, she was she was sent to kill the actress. Um, we we knew since the la- the episode before this that you know she wasn't really digging the whole idea, um, which you know I don't I don't understand that part of it because she knew what she was getting into. It right, I mean she knew the faceless man was about you know basically killing people, assassinating people, and whatnot. But um, obviously she got herself too deep into something that you know she wasn't. I guess fully aware of, full, you know, didn't fully um, grasp the idea that you're going to be killing people who aren't necessarily bad people, um, you know. So, so she actually prevents the actress from dying. Um, the waif, who you know we all know can't stand her guts, um, kind of like the you know the asshole in the office who like wants to see you fail type of thing. And so she all she right. she catches her, you know, saving the actress's life, and basically you know immediately goes over to. Uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Jackin. Jackin. And basically says, you know, she screwed up just like I thought she would. Um, you promised me that I could, you know, basically kill her, you know. And, and he says, you know, it's a shame, but, you know, just go ahead and do it. Make, make it so she don't suffer. But in between that, we see that she goes and grabs her, her sword needle um, that she hid when she first got there. And um, I'm assuming she's going to sleep or something with it maybe or whatnot. Um, so... You know, obviously, everyone is kind of predicting where this is going to go. Um, we assume the waif is going to go in there and try to kill her, and the opposite will happen, and she'll kill the waif. That's at least my, what I assume will happen. Um, I guess my question is what happens after that? Um, any idea if she does kill the waif, what Jockin does? I mean, is it, you know, a life for a life type of thing where, you know, she kind of took her place or, or what? Do you think he's just going to let her leave or, or what happens if you know how this all unfolds you think well that's that's kind of what i'm wondering and that's that's where i'm leaning um one thing you see is when she goes i think um her blowing out the candle and being in darkness i don't think that that was just oh i'm going to sleep i think that might have been some foreshadowing remember Arya was blind and she had to fight blind for a while i'm uh, wondering if that's like standard 
kind of training procedure for the faceless men, or if Arya was just somebody in particular that this happened to. Right. And maybe that that would give her, oh, you know, a, uh, advantage over the waste, you know, kind of like a Batman and Bane situation, you know? But, right, uh, right. I think, because we saw when she was training, like, she can't take the waste when she's got a weapon and the waste don't. You know what I mean? Like, she's light years ahead of her in her training, so how is she going to kill her? Is kind of one thing I'm curious to see how that unfolds. Right. So but you might so, so you might be right. You know, with the whole you know lights off type of thing, where she maybe she feels that yeah. gives her an advantage. I see what you're saying. Mm. But I do think like if she does kill the wave, the way I see it playing out, the way if I had to you know write it or do fan fiction was the wave could punch her. They have a fight. Arya gets the upper hand somehow, kills her. Arya brings Jock in her face the wave's face uh-huh. and it's basically like you've got a face for your wall and i think jockin takes it as okay but also kind of expels it from the order you know what i mean like all right i'm not going to come after you now but you're not welcome here anymore because you didn't follow the rules to begin with but a face is added to the the room and that's all he cared about because he told her before she went to go kill the actress either way a, a face will be added to the room. Right. So I think she brings him the face and is like, here you go. And I think then then she kind of moves on to go back to Westeros to try to find so, her family, try to find John, try to find somebody. So so no matter how that plays out, do you think we're done with Jockin after that? I do. Yeah, I think this is a way to get her back into the main fold. Yeah, and, and that's kind of like you know what, what I was saying last week is I don't see where her storyline is connecting with everybody else's, and so if you take her out of there and you you know make her not a faceless man, now she can go back and, and join the rest of the you know the storyline basically. Um, you know, it, it was a, it was a side story, it was cool, um, but you know maybe it has run its course at this point, um, and so you know well, that's just really something we'll have to wait and see how that all, how that all plays out. Um, the the last. The last scene that we've seen um, was with Daenerys, and you know she's obviously um, on her way back to Marine. Um, she asks to go out ahead of everybody. They're all just kind of waiting around, and she comes back flying on her dragon, uh, which looks bigger than ever. You know this thing just keeps getting bigger. Um, the scene was just kind of a little bit of a hoorah, you know, type of scene. Like, are you with me? Yeah, type of thing. Um, what do you think was the importance of this scene, though? What, what what are we supposed to take away from this one? I think it was just, you know, Daenerys having another big moment. You know, this is kind of this is what Daenerys is best at. She's not really a political person. She doesn't play the game well. Daenerys rallies the troops and, you know, has these gigantic moments. And I think that's what it was. I do think, um, I've heard a lot of people kind of positing the theory of, is Daenerys a villain? And that's kind of one thing I want to dispel on this. There are no villains in this world. You know, Ramsay and Joffrey are rare exceptions. Um, you know, obviously the Night King is the main villain. But it's all just people on opposite sides. And... They say because, you know, Daenerys is a conqueror and she wants to burn King's Landing to the ground and kind of build a new, she's not really interested in, you know, going in and being like, oh, well, I'm going to sit on the Iron Throne, you, know, you guys got to deal with it, just kind of 
invading, you know, she just, she wants to destroy the world and bring it up. But I think that that's how you get through to the Dothraki people. They're very violent people. Yeah. So it, it just kind of, that's how you would rally them. You know what I mean? Like to say, you know, will you ride the, uh, the wood horses across the, the Black Sea and will you, uh, you know, burn down their stone houses and things like that. That's how you get through to them. And she goes through and is like, well, you help me become king and I'll make you a lord, you know? Like, they're not going to give a shit about that. Right, right. So she's trying to rally these troops. I don't think this was necessarily, like, a villain moment. I don't think it's necessarily um, Daenerys' full plan. And even if it is, we were all for this three seasons ago. I don't know why that's changed. Maybe because we like uh, Jamie a little more than we did and we like some of the Landis's a little more than we did. These are still shitty people. She's no more a villain than like Jamie is or Cersei is or any of them are. It's just people on opposite sides of the coin. And I think that's one thing this show does really well is it doesn't it doesn't present things in black and white. It's all kind of plain and those shades gray. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, what what you mentioned with uh, you know, her being the villain, that kinda is the you know, the rumor, like you said, circulating, you know, the internet and all the other um, people that are talking about this, they're all saying, you know, is she becoming a villain? Um, and, and like you said, um, there's not necessarily a villain besides, I guess you would say the White Walkers are technically villains because they want to kill everybody. Um, but but like you said, everyone just kind of has, again, I always go back to this and, it, and it's with everything in life. It's all about perception, right? So her perception is that's where, you know, she should be at. And the Lancers say, guess where they should be at. So it's not really right and wrong it's just like you know the perception of that person um and and like you said um in that scene i I guess it has something to do with you know um him telling her like you know you're not really meant to sit on a throne you are a conqueror and that's what you do and then you know the way she's talking to the dothraki but like you said um you know every great speaker knows you speak to your audience you know what i mean so depending on what environment you're in you're going to speak and and how these people you know receive you um you're going to speak how they receive you and and, and like you said they're kind of like barbarian like and so you know that's how she had to speak to them um again like you like you said, I don't. I agree. I don't think she's the villain. You know what I mean. Um, but I, I, I see where people, you know, took that scene and kind of ran with it. I, you know, it sounds cool to talk about. I guess. Um, but I agree with you. I don't. I don't think that, you know, she's a villain. Um, you, I, and that's, I also. That's one I, thing I wondered though. What's what's okay. that? That's one thing I wonder when she gets to Westeros. Is will that be a weakness in Daenerys? Because. She's so used to, you know, she goes to these cities and it's either power before me or die. And she can do that in Westeros. That'll work. But ultimately, to have, like, an actual reign, she needs to rally some of those houses that are there to her cause. And how you do that is by granting those people lordship and granting them lands and granting them. That's how you get through to those people. So will she be able to play that game? Or will she just go over all of Westeros and be like, surrender or die, surrender or die, surrender or die. And like I said, that'll happen. That'll be fine for a little bit. But that's not going to give her kind of a sustained reign. You know what I mean? I think maybe that's where Tyrion comes in, that he knows more of that land and how to play the game and how to rally people. And so maybe Tyrion does more of that for her. He eases more the political gamesmanship person 
You know what I mean? And she needs that. Because she's obviously, she's really good at the big moments. And she's really good at rallying people and really good at people getting people to support her. But as we saw with Young Kai and Astapor, as soon as she left, those cities rose up and retook over the, the cities. You know what I mean? So it wasn't, that fear did not keep them down forever. It only just won a quick battle. Yeah, in some weird way, um, as as good uh, as good as a conqueror that she is, and and all that, um, she has to learn um, to find a way to make people love her. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. She can't just kill everybody that doesn't like her. You know I mean, you gotta at some point you gotta win people over too. Um, so yeah. I, so I, so I know what you mean. Otherwise, there'll be a constant threat. You know, to her being in the throne. The the other reason why I say she's not a villain is because um, I feel like when it comes to the war with the White Walkers, like she's critical in that war. You know what I mean? Like there's no exactly. way you know exactly. they win without her and the dragons and stuff like that. So um, I feel like you know that's not really a villain type role. So um, that's another thing that I feel kind of kills that that theory. Um, and that that kind of you know, sums up the the episode that we watched as far as the recap goes, but we obviously have a lot of other stuff that we go into um, with the questions that we get and our bold predictions and things like that. So um, I did get two questions that I really liked this week, actually both from, uh, uh, you know, the Omega Ginger, or as I like to call it, House Omega Ginger. Um, so he sent us two, two questions that I really liked this week um, through the uh, Fantasy Life app. And so the, the first one that he asked was that... Um, I'll probably go to you on this one because you probably know more about it. Um, with with cold hands showing up, you know, uh, uh, Uncle Benjamin, obviously, um, have the writers been lying, he says, because I guess they've been, like you said, um, kind of telling us different things about that side of the story. And, and will we get um, Lady Stoneheart appearance because of this? Do you, What do you think about all that? Uh, well, the, just the first part, that's kind of going to be the the question for, I think, the next three seasons is going to be, is George R. R. Martin lying or is the show lying? And unfortunately, that's not going to be an answer we get for, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 years when he decides to finish the books. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and that's, so I don't know, you know, and that's, that's ultimately the only answer I can give is, I don't know, only George R. R. Martin knows. I think from what George R. R. Martin has said in interviews and stuff, he might be spiteful enough that even if this was the original plan, he might change it to just differentiate himself from the shows. And that's a double-edged sword because on one hand, you might get some people that'll read the book to see how it differentiates from the show. On the other hand, this show has raised the profile of those books significantly like i plan on reading the books when the even when the show's over but i think for like future generations because i'm going to read the books regardless just because i'm so interested in this world but like when my kids get old enough if i like the way the show plays out in comparison to how the books play out i might just tell my kids to watch the show right 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 whereas if it's kind of similar i'll have them read the books and then watch the show you know what I mean? Like, I plan on with Lord of the Rings. I plan on them reading the books and watching the movies. Same thing with Harry Potter. I plan on them reading the books and watching the movies. Not reverse order. And as for, like, Lady Stoneheart, I don't think we're going to get Lady Stoneheart. I could see it happening, maybe, because um, in the books, Jamie doesn't ever go to Dorne. 
he doesn't ever really go back to, to King's Landing, except for when he originally went back there in, like, season three, I think it was, with Brienne. Um, mm-hmm. And he, he immediately goes out to the Riverlands. And Jamie actually becomes, like, a completely different kind of character than we see in the show. And during all that time in the Riverlands, that's when you're introduced to Lady Stoneheart. Lady Stoneheart is, um, I don't, I'm not even going to say who she is. I don't think we're going to see her. Uh, I, the, the actress that would have to play Lady Stoneheart has said that she's not going to come back. Now, she might be lying. But I don't think that, I think the book, I think the show would have alluded to it some for that big of a reveal to people. And that big of kind of, it would almost be a slap in the face at this point for the show right. to pop up with her. As a, and not have, not have any kind of lead up to it. It's just like, boom, here she is. You know what I mean? This is how it, I, I just think it would be a slap in the face to people who watch the show. So I don't think she has a huge role to play in the overall story. And I just don't think they'll waste the real estate on it. So no, I don't, I don't see Lady Stoneheart happening. And as for George R. R. Martin, only he knows if he's lying or not. <laughs> well, I will concede to you on those because like I said, you know, it's not my area of expertise. So I go with Tony on that one. Um, the other question that uh, House Omega Ginger sent in to us was, uh, what repercussions come from the power union of the crown and the church? Um, you know, per- personally, you know, like we kind of discussed this earlier, um, I-, I don't think it's going to last. I think that everyone is playing with everyone mentally and, and whatnot, and um, I don't think it lasts. I think it's all kind of a little crooked game. Everyone's playing with each other, but... Um, yeah, I, I just don't think it'll last. I don't know the repercussions necessarily. I don't know if someone's going to die because of it. Um, you know, if I had to guess, you know, the High Sparrow would die. I don't know if Toman is going to die because of this or not. Um, but what, what do you think for repercussions? What, what do you think is the biggest thing that maybe will come from this? Well, that's the main thing is in this whole storyline, it's kind of a question of who's underestimating who the most. And as long, if, if Marjorie is playing a game and she's not underestimating the High Sparrow, then I think that she'll kind of come on top, come out on top in this game. You know, maybe Cersei gets eliminated and she can eliminate the High Sparrow and she can kind of do them all in one fell swoop and we'll see kind of how cunning and conniving she actually is. Or if she is underestimating the High Sparrow, and he's not underestimating Marjorie, and he knows that Marjorie's playing a game, maybe he kind of flips it on that. I could see this ultimately being a way that Tom and dies. Um, and there's kind of... I think... I've, I've seen questions as to who would become the heir. I think it would become Kevin Lannister, but I'm not 100% sure. I think he would be the closest relative that could assume that he's the hand of the king, so maybe he would become kind of like a king regent until... Um, they could find another heir. That's kind of a really complicated, convoluted mess if they don't have an actual, if Marjorie isn't pregnant and they have an actual heir. Right. But I could see, because if you, if you remember back to the prophecy of um, the woman in the woods at the beginning of season five, when Cersei was a kid and she saw the woman in the woods, she told her that Cersei would bury all three of her children. Well, Joffrey's dead. Um... The girl, I can't remember the name. I'm blanking oh, on the name right now. Yeah, uh, yeah, but she's dead. Uh, Marcella, that's her name. Marcella mm-hmm. is dead. Tom is the only one she has left. So maybe all of this ends up being a way that she ends up burying Tom as well in kind of her last mistake. You know what I mean? Like trusting the High Sparrow and giving him power 
was the mistake that ultimately led to a third child being killed. So I do think I do think they're all kind of playing a very dangerous game with each other. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't think it's just like this united front. I think everybody's kind of doing some political maneuvering. And it's just a matter of who's going to come out on top. But like, like you said, I don't see it lasting. Like, yeah. So, so basically, to sum up our answer, a new age for the kingdom. <laughs> yeah. So basically, to sum up our answer, it's a messed up thing going on right now. Somebody will probably die. We don't know who yet, but somebody will die because of this game they're playing. <laughs> um, That's Game of Thrones. You know, like you could go into any season and be like, well. Some people probably fucked up and they're going to die. Right? <laughs> yeah, that pretty much, <laughs> that pretty much sums, sums up, up the whole show. Yep. So, yeah, so that answer sums up our questions. Um, I didn't have any other questions that I really, um, you know, was really digging for this week. So, again, shout out to Omega Ginger for the good questions. Um, I did want to play one other kind of little game with you, um, kind of, uh, you know, like an over-under game. Sort of like, you know, if you're a gambler and then you know what I'm talking about. But like an over-under, I'm going to kind of give you, you know, an odds on something. And you just tell me if you think over or under on the odds that I give you. Okay. Um, So the the, the first one that I'm going to throw at you here is next episode. Next episode. That's the key here. Two people will die over or under. Uh, And when I say two people, I don't mean like some nobodies. I mean like characters that we know. I'm going to say under. Um, I honestly, I don't think anybody dies next episode. I think um, I think we're leading up to probably episode nine before we get anything gigantic happening. I know some people are probably going to be pissed off at that theory that we're going to get three episodes to build up. But ultimately, a lot of the seasons, if you look back, most of the season has been built up up until episode nine. So like I said, I think we've been kind of spoiled by this season. And I do think, like, we're going to have this past episode, episode 7, episode 8, are all going to be kind of lead-up episodes into episode 9. So I don't see any big deaths coming. So no blood being spilled, guys, until the bloodbath massacre episode 9 or 10, somewhere around there. Um, yeah. The next one. Uh, the High Sparrow lives for two more episodes, over or under? Well, I guess I'm going to kind of contradict. Um, I'm going to say over. Yeah, I'll say over. I think um, I think around maybe episode 9, episode 10, maybe even in the next season. Maybe it makes it out of the season alive, but I do think it'll be later on in the season. I think that'll be kind of your cliffhanger in King's Landing what involves his death if he doesn't die this season. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say over. So you guys may be able to, you know, stay on that high stock for now, but you can be selling soon, I promise. Um, oh, yeah, the last one I want to throw at you. Um, this season, uh, before it ends here, this season, two characters we thought were dead will be back, over or under? Uh, under. No, push. Push? Give me a push. Yeah, I'm going to clean push on that. Um, we've already had one, so we think that we have another one. I think we have another one. Uh, maybe it has to do with that trial by combat. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the only other character we have come back. So I'm going to say a push. Okay. And, um, yeah, that's, it. that's all I have for that one. Um, so that was fun to do that. So maybe we'll continue to do that. You guys yeah. let us know if you guys like that and we'll continue to do them. And, and, and same with the foul or no fouls and the questions, you know, you can shoot us over some of these kind of, uh, over under challenges and, and we'll continue to do them. So if you guys like that, let us know. Um, I think it's fun. Tony likes it hopefully. So, 
if you guys if you guys are digging it, throw us some of those, and we'll continue to do them. Um, the bold prediction, bold prediction. You want to go first? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, my bold prediction is that Brienne will be kind of the catalyst to Jamie not attacking the Blackfish and actually siding with the Blackfish, uh, Jon Snow, and all of them. So I think the Lannisters are actually going to go over to the uh, Blackfish's side in the Riverlands and ultimately Jamie will kind of move his army towards being with Jon to take out Ramsay and to take out uh, the White Walkers. I think that Brienne will be the person that Jamie trusts in this situation and that kind of tells him about the war ahead, you know, and the actual war that is to come, not the kind of quabbling that they're having down in King's Landing that ultimately is not that important. Right. So I, I think that Jamie kind of does a flip, and I think Brienne is one of the, the main catalysts for that, is his trust in Brienne and his kind of friendship that he's had with her. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Let, let me ask you this, just kind of build off of that really quick. If that happens where Jamie and the army support them, what happens, like, for instance, when they, they say they attack Winterfell, they beat Winterfell, they kill Ramsay, they get all that back? Um, I mean, the Starks are not friends with the Lannisters, right? So so what happens yeah, then? Not at all. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's kind of, I think that'll be the tension of it, you know, and I think that'll be kind of what makes it interesting is that you have these uneasy alliances that got formed by basically the man that helped kill Ned Stark and his, his bastard, you know, and you'll have, and his daughter, and you'll have these alliances formed, but I think that all of them ultimately will see that this is necessary. We need as many people as possible for the actual threat that's coming. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm alone in this, but man, like, uh, for some reason, I want to like Jamie so much. You know what I mean, like, I want this dude to like yeah, do the impossible so and work. switch over to the other side or something. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what it is, but like, I feel like his character. There's so much potential. You know what I mean? Like, for him to be a good guy and do the right thing, and then Cersei messes it all up, and I don't know. That's why I want to see Cersei dead. Yeah, she's kind of, she's the bitch that makes me not like Jer- Jay- uh, Jamie. So go away. Go die. Let me like Jamie. Yeah, we've, we've so had enough of you, Cersei. Since he, since he went kind of on the, you know, he lost his hand, he was humbled, and he went off with Brienne. Ever since then, they've done so much work to like the character, and I feel like a lot of that has been undone this season. And I think that, like I said, I think they're going to need the Lannister forces. They're ultimately going to need all the forces because you've got a million zombies coming over the wall after you. So yep. it's kind of time for us to stop arguing with each other and realize that the world's going to end if we keep this shit up. Yeah, and, and, the, and the one man who knows it, man, is Davos, man. He keeps saying it. Yeah. He keeps saying yep. it, man. But, yeah, let's, let's get that petition started. Clock Dodgers to get Cersei killed off so he can like Jamie. <laughs> um, <laughs> my bold prediction, I guess, you know, I keep going super bold and I keep being wrong. So I can only be wrong so much. Um, so I'm going to kind of, you know, pull back a little bit on this one. Um, you know, I, I like I said earlier, um, I do think, I don't know what's going to happen next episode, but at some point this season, whenever the, um, the trial by combat happens, I do believe, like I said earlier, the Mountain will lose. Um, no matter who the opponent is, um, I do believe, like you said, 
um, there will be a spoiler um, opponent that uh, I will not mention his name, um, but I do believe you know we're on the same page with that. I think we're thinking about the same guy, and I and I do hope that that happens. Um, that'll be one of the coolest things that happen this season if it's what I'm thinking. Um, so yeah. uh, so definitely that's what I'm, that's what I'm gonna go with. But just w- without even the the spoiled character, like I said, no matter who it is, um, I'm taking the mountain to lose. Um, and hopefully I get one right here because I, sometimes I'm just a little too bold, man. Just a little too bold. Well, I gotta, I gotta say I was I was wrong in mine last week, um, but I am I am ecstatic you were wrong in yours. <laughs> 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 that would have that would have killed the episode for me. So, I'm starting to feel like Jon Snow over here, man. Week. You know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> if you had to be wrong one week, it needed to be last week. Yeah, for all of our sake. It needed to be your prediction last week. It does not need to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, and that's one other thing I did want to mention about um, Daenerys' situation, just going back on that really fast before we wrap up here. Um, you know, she did mention they need a 1,000 ships, right? So what do you think? Yep. Theon and Yara? Yep, I think they're coming. Yep, uh, I think I that. that last week, I think that's the destination. I think um, either next episode or the episode after that, we get Yara and Theon kind of landing in marine because one thing this show is shown this show is done is uh people kind of have jetpacks you know <laughs> like yep. it doesn't, sometimes it takes a real long time to travel sometimes it just takes a minute to travel you know you guys <laughs> jamie's gonna be in the riverlands tomorrow uh little finger has like a teleportation device yeah this guy's like dr strange you know like he can he's in king's landing he's in the north he's in the Vale. like he's just popping wherever he needs to go so i do think that they'll kind of play with that time a little bit and I think Yara will be getting there. I actually think Daenerys will be arriving in Marine shortly too because I don't think I think Dario is going to bring the Kalasar to Marine. I think Daenerys is about to fly her dragon to Marine. Yeah. Now that's another person we didn't talk about too is Littlefinger. I mean you know we don't know where this guy is going to play into this so you know I don't know if we see him next, next episode but it would kind of make sense Speaking to see him. people we see we want that What's that? I want little finger. Speaking of people, we want dead. <laughs> I want little finger dead. You want him I dead, want him man? He's one of the. the yeah. He's, he's a, a cool very, character, he's though. Very interesting character, but he's a prick. Like, come on, tell me, like, if there's Chandra plunge, Chandra plunges one into his heart. Yeah. You would yeah. be like, fuck yeah, he's yeah, a prick. Chandra. He's a prick. <laughs> he's definitely. Kind of like when Tywin died. You know, I love the Tywin character. He was really good for the show, but it was such a fuck yeah moment. Yeah. <laughs> when he shot him on the toilet, you know, so it'll be kind of like that. It'll be, oh, I'm kind of sad to see the character go, but hell yeah, he needed that. So he deserves his comeuppance. He betrayed Ned. Come on now. I'm so pissed off over that. <laughs> oh, oh, man. I, I hear you, man. I hear you. Oh, 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 we didn't even bring up either. Um, the Oh, man, uh, what's their names? we seen them, uh, the ones who killed Rob and his, and his fiance and stuff. Yeah, um, the phrase. Yeah, the phrase. We didn't yeah, really mention yeah, him. I hated yeah, seeing that bastard's like face. This disgusting. Yeah. yeah. The little girl, that was just unnecessary. Come on, now. you could even tell like the people in the hall. <laughs> that. And we saw the guy that got uh, married at the wedding too. Uh, the uh, the blackfish's nephew. Yep. So he's supposed to be the um, the heir to the the Tully throne. So I think. That'll be interesting how it plays out. I don't think the parades are very smart people, so I do think that they'll kind of be one-up, you know, and they think they have the Lannis' backing, and I think that's what we're going to see is Jamie's going to go in trying to back them, but his heart's not quite into it. He's 
kind of easily talked out of it, maybe shown the war that's to come and that we need to quit this shit. And I think Jamie kind of flips on the phrase and ultimately they get what's coming to them too. Assholes. Yeah. I just want to see that old pervert die. Me too. If, if anybody deserves it, it's him. I'm calling for man. Just kill them all off. They, they, all the they, characters they, I don't like, just start whacking them. They, they, they tried to make us forget about him in the Red Wedding because they didn't show us him for a long-ass time, but we don't forget, bro. The North the, the North remembers, man. The North remembers. Yep. So And so do we. So do we. So that pretty much wraps up this episode. Um, I, I do want to, of course, you know, thank everybody who's been kind of joining along in these um, recaps. You know, we, we, we started, you know, a couple episodes into the season, but it's really ramped up. You know, people are really excited about these recaps. And, and, and so, you know, I can't thank you guys enough for listening, um, for contributing, you know, by interacting with us. And, and please, um, if you have friends, family, um, you do message boards, Reddit, anything, you know, share us out there. Let people know about us. Um, let's keep kind of growing um, the community here for, you know, for the recap episodes. Um, and just like I said, just share it everywhere you can. Um, we, we will see, of course, you guys next week um, for that episode, which I think is called The Broken Man, if, I, if I'm right, for episode seven. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it's yeah, called. Yeah, the, the Broken Man. Do you have anything you want to go out on, Tony? Uh, that's it, man. Um, hit me up, Admin Seeks on the FL app. Uh, hit me up at Reimer A-S, R-E-I-M-E-R-A-S on uh, the Twitter. And check out the Geeky Bugle. I've, uh, I've kind of slacked the last couple weeks, but I should be dropping one of them this weekend. So, no, no slacking, man. That, no slacking. <laughs> you can't clock dodge clock dodgers. Come on now. ClockDodgers.com, guys. Check us out. Um, also, of course, the Twitter, the Instagram, at ClockDodgers, at uh, Profit. P-R-O-P-H-Y-T on the Fantasy Life app. Otherwise, uh, we will catch you guys after next Sunday. We're out. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to stop by ClockDodgers.com and follow us on Twitter. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.